The, the title for this morning's preach is Better Together Finishing Strong. And it really links in with this picture that Paul shared this morning about, you know, we are all called to run a race. How many of you run a race? Maybe by a show of hands. Not even at primary school. I mean, they made us run. And Elwe, come on, man. We've all, we've all run a race. Um, and the race gets the hardest when it gets close to the end, right? Because that's when you actually must die. But God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that comes alongside us and calls us and motivates us by convincing us of three things. Sin, faith, trust in God, judgment, and relationship with the Lord. And I want to unpack those three things for us this morning in the function of what the Holy Spirit does for us. But I want to land it for us in what can we do for one another to stir each other's faith, to, in, to better our relationships with God the Father, and to make sure that one day when we get into heaven, that we know that there's a reward waiting for us. All right. And so to do that, I want to start with a little video clip this morning. So it's a... Uh, just watch the video clip. Okay. Uh, the first one. <laughs> the Indian one. Kenyan runner Abel Muthai was leading the cross-country race at an event in Burlada, Navera in December 2012. He was only a few meters from the finish line but got confused with the sign and stopped thinking he had finished the race. His Spanish runner Evan Fernandez was right behind him and realizing what was going on, he started shouting to the Kenyan to keep running. Muthai did not know Spanish and did not understand. Realizing what was going on, Fernandez pushed Muthai to the victory. A reporter asked Ivan, why did you do this? Ivan replied, my dream is that one day we can have some sort of community life where we push ourselves and help each others to win. The reporter insisted and asked again, but you could have won, even replied, I didn't deserve to win it. I did what I had to do. He was the rightful winner. He created a gap that I could not have closed if he had not made a mistake. As soon as I saw he was stopping, I knew I was not going to pass him. And what would be the merit of this victory? And what would be the honor of this medal? And what would my mother think of it? Moral, the values are transmitted from generation to generation. What values do we teach our children? And how much do you inspire others to earn it? Most of us take advantage of people's weaknesses instead of helping to strengthen them. I watched this, I came across it about two weeks ago, and I just thought, what a beautiful picture of what the Holy Spirit does for us. As he got confused, he was making a mistake, and um, the Holy Spirit, Ivan, was like the Holy Spirit in that instance, and helped him to finish his race. And so God wants each one of us, and each one of us run a race, but God wants each one of us to finish our race. And so let's look at John 16, 7 to 12, and see what the Holy Spirit does for us. All right? You guys with me? Who's got your Bible? 
So maybe turn there with me. We don't do this enough anymore. You can also, or you can read it on the screen. Okay, maybe just read wherever. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And so the first point that I want to make is, is, it is, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus says to his disciples that it was good for him to go away. Now, if you think about that, that kind of like doesn't make sense, right? Jesus was God in the flesh, doing miracles, teaching the disciples. How can it be good for, for God to go away? It's because that word there is an interesting word in the Greek. It's, there's a picture attached to that word. It's, it's, it's together to carry. So it's to our advantage that Jesus goes away because together you could carry. So what happened when Jesus went away? Jesus died for our sins, rose up into heaven, and then who came? The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit came to who? To us. The Holy Spirit came to us as believers. And that's why it is better that Jesus went away, because Jesus was one person in the flesh. He, and with your body and with time and with the limitations of the flesh of this physical world, he could only get to like a few people. But look how many Christians, are you, how many are Christians here today? I know it's cold. Just take your hands out your pockets. And are, are you a Christian? Yes. Do you have the Holy Spirit within you? Yes. So is this advent advantageous for the world? Yes. Because look how many hands there are. Jesus had two. In this room, there's at least 100. If there's more than 100, then we're breaking the regulations. And so that's why Jesus says it's good that he goes away. Because unless he goes away, the advocate, the helper, the paraclete will not come. And the para is next to, and cleat means to call out. And so the Holy Spirit comes next to us, and he calls out to us to help us to finish the race. So we come next to each other, and we call out to each other to help each other to finish the race. What is your purpose in the church? Is your purpose is the same as the Holy Spirit's? Because as the Holy Spirit comes next to us to call out to us to finish the race, we come next to each other to call out to each other to finish the race. You see, this race that we're running is, is we're not running it alone. We are running it together. And the point of running this race together is so that everyone comes over the finish line. We don't want to lose one, Jesus says. So there's maybe a little hard check. Are you running your Christian race for you to get over the line? Or are you running your Christian race for all of us to get over the line? Because if you're just running it for you, then then maybe we're not reflecting um, God's heart. Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son. So to what? To get us into the race and over the finish line. And so if, you, if, you, if we have love in our hearts, we would want to get each other over the finish line. Now the question is, is how? So you want to, I know you do. Because if the Spirit of God is in your heart, He has shed His heart, He has shed His love of God in your heart. So it's in there. So how do we help each other to get over the line? I will send Him to you. When He comes, He will. Maybe can we get that on the board again, Amanda? It's verse. 
speaking this oath. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe, and about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. About sin, because we do not believe. And the ori- what Paul is saying here is, is that the origin of sin is unbelief. That the destination of righteousness is to be with the Father, because we don't see Jesus any longer. Where did Jesus go when he died? He went to be back with the Father. And about judgments that are still coming. Not judgment, judgments. Those are the three things we're going to be talking about. About unbelief, because when Eve chose not to believe what God had said to her about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and she listened to the voice of the devil, she believed the devil over what God had said, and what happened? Spiritual death came in. And you see the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. So there's a teaching that's going around and is that the Holy Spirit will convict unbelievers, but the Holy Spirit doesn't convict believers anymore. I want to say, I think that's wrong. Because how do we walk and live this life in a relationship with God without having the Holy Spirit? So the Holy Spirit will still convict believers. So when God says he convicts the world, yes, he convicts unbelievers in a different manner to which in, in a different manner in which he'll be, um, convict believers, but he still convicts believers about sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's how we keep on keeping on in the race. And so if you've heard a teaching that the Holy Spirit is not going to convict you as a Christian, I want to say that's error. That's wrong. Because how can you live in a relationship with God? Eternal life is this, that you may know Him. That you may know God. Gnosko, experientially. Not Ido, theoretically. And so the Holy Spirit still convicts us about unbelief. About not trusting in the Lord. And we started off this morning saying, there's a measure of faith that we feel we are lacking. And this, I'm saying this not to condemn you. But when do we lose faith? It's like the story with Peter and the disciples. Now, you know which story of Peter because it reads in the Bible a lot. And it's generally not good stories. So the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is praying on the mountain, on the hill. There's a storm that happens. The disciples are in the boat and there is a storm. How many have been on the sea? How many of you have been in big seas? How many of you found that scary? And Sean doesn't find it scary. How many have been on a big sea in the darkness, in the middle of the night, in a storm? That's scary. I find it scary just to be on the boat. It's nausea. And so the disciples are there and there's fear. Now fear is the opposite of faith. To make matters worse, now they think they're going to die because they're on a big sea in the night, in the middle of a storm. They're rowing. They're not going anywhere. And all of a sudden they see this apparition walking. 
And they're going, oh, it's a ghost. And he's definitely coming for us. So the ghost comes closer. I don't watch horrors. Because real life is scary enough. You just read the newspaper. So this apparition comes closer, and the way that it's written there is, it doesn't sound like Peter's recognized this is Jesus yet. And so Jesus calls out to him. He says, Peter, come. Now, I must say, at this point, Peter's got more faith than me. I'm not in the boat. I'm under the chair. But Peter gets out the boat, and he starts walking on the water towards Jesus. And he, he makes it for a little while. And then what happens? He takes his eyes off Jesus and he looks to the storm. And then what happens? He starts sinking. Now, real life is scary enough, right? COVID, sickness, job loss, economy, KwaZulu Natal. Do I need to say more? Political stuff. Vaccine passports, mark of the beast, vaccinations. <laughs> and when we take our eyes off Jesus and we put our eyes on those things, we start sinking. And so Jesus grabs Peter by the hand. And so I want to say to you, if you are sinking this morning, Allow the Holy Spirit to convince you that the mistake you're making is one of faith. It's one of where you're looking and who you're trusting in. I know it's scary. It's scary for everyone. We're all going through the same stuff. But the state of your heart, the sinking of your faith or the rising of your faith depends on who you focus on. Now, how do we help each other as a community to keep our faith up. Testimonies. Where God has broken through for me, he will break through for you. Maybe not in the same manner, maybe not in the same way, but we can stir each other's faith up by telling each other about what God does for us. You see, that's how the community of faith can build each other's faith. It's one way to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So I'm going to share a quick testimony. When we came full-time, I was a pharmacist I, in Cape Town. I eventually, after nine years of working, I went to go check the figures this week. After nine years of working, I became a pharmacy manager of Germansville Medical Unit. And at the beginning of that year, in 2005, God had spoken to me and said to me, Monet, I want you to go f I'm going to call you to go full-time into, into the church. So everyone looked. Everyone looked up. June that year. And so Andrew calls me in August. It was two months late. And um, he says, you know what? The church has grown. We need someone to go full-time. Will you go full-time? And, and he said, you know, this is, this is the salary. And I was like, it was quite a drop. So we needed a little bit of faith. We needed quite a lot of faith to do it. But we, we knew that it was God. So we, we, we went in faith. And the day that we went full-time, we were in a church service, and there was a tiny, tiny, aniki bar, a 
Garvey and Weaver Brunt, mum and dad, came to us, and she, she prophesied over us. And she said she saw this picture of a horse. And in, uh, in uh, England, they had these work horses, you know, those ones with the big legs. And um, they put these bags, nose bags around their heads so that they could just feed all the time. Because they're work horses, they can't stop and graze next to the road. They can just, so when they get hungry, they can just dip their nose into the, into the bag and eat. And she said she saw this for us, and she just felt God say to us that we must be encouraged and full of faith because even though, and she didn't know anything about our circumstance, but we got, that God would always provide for us. Now, that's great, but that's just words. And so what happened a while later is, is that a lady friend of ours, a good friend of Irina, came to us, and she had done her articles. She was a CA. She had done her articles, and she was now going from a, an intern position into a full-time position, and with that, a salary increase almost doubled. And she came to us, and she said, God said to me that I must give you um, the increase for three months. So we said, are you sure that God speak to you? And she said, yes, I'm sure. So we said, thank you very much. Here's my bank card. But at that stage, we didn't really have any need. Like we had a house, we had food. We, you know, we, we can always do a little bit more money, but we were all right. And so as a good steward, I took that money and I saved it. And guess what happened three months later? My Land Rover's gearbox was fixed. And the money that we had been given over those three months was just enough to cover the gearbox. And so God provided for us where I wouldn't have been able to provide for myself. Linking it back to that prophecy that I said. Now, if I had taken my eyes off Jesus, then what would have I would have, my faith would have sunk. And so, why did I tell you this story? How many of you right now feel built up in your faith by my story? Because it's a true story. And so, this is an illustration to us that as children of God, we are running this race together. The Bible says in Revelation that they overcame the devil by the blood of the Lamb and the power of the word of their testimony. So what do we do with this? What do you do? This is we share the stories, the true stories of what God does in our life with the people around us, because those, that gift, that provision, that protection that God has over your life, He wants to have over all of our lives. And so I want to challenge you this morning to share your stories with one another, to not forget them. Like if I ask you now, do you have a testimony of where God has operated in your life? Can you think of one? Probably not. Why? Because we forget. And so I want to challenge us as a people. Let's remember it's about finishing this race, right? That's what we're talking about. Unless we share stories of what God's doing in our life, testimonies, we're not going to make it over the line. If you're low in your faith, go and ask people to tell you their stories. Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did for me, he will do for you. And sometimes you're up, and sometimes I'm down, and sometimes I'm down, and sometimes you're up. And by the words that we speak over one another, sorry, my finger's coming off. 
That normally means this is a this this is a thing to listen to. Can we do that for one another? Will you commit to do that for each other? So that's that's faith. That's how we can build one another's faith. Then it's about righteousness. So when we put our when we put our our trust in the Lord, it's about relationship. You see, we are saved for what? Why are we saved? So that we can miss hell. Well, that's a good reason, but that's not the reason we're saved. We are saved for relationship. That's why Jesus links a relationship to being with the Father, and we will see him no more. And that's this concept of righteousness. But there is this thing of wrongsciousness. So we are all sinners, saved by grace. None of us could meet the glory of God. All of us deserve God's wrath and hell. But that moment that we put our faith in Him, and there's that conviction of the Holy Spirit that we know that we are separated from Him, and we say, either in a church or wherever it happened to you, to me it happened on a mountain. I said, God, I give up. I want to live with you. I'm coming, like I'm coming. Forgive me. And God enters into our heart. Then positionally we are made righteous. But practically, we still sin. And the problem with practically that we still sin is, is that when I sin, what happens? I don't know about you, but when I sin, I get scared. And, and being scared makes me isolate myself. So when I was at school, I was naughty. My parents used to leave me alone at home over weekends. And what did I do? Well, I organized parties. I would get all my friends there, and then on a Sunday afternoon, we would be walking around picking up the stompies and picking up the bottle tops. And then that week for me was terrible. Because every time the phone rang, I thought it was the neighbors telling my mom and dad what we had done over the weekend. And then what would have happened? I would have been in big trouble. So for that week, what was my relationship with my parents like? It was distant. Because I was scared and I was afraid. And so as Christians, we, we can be perfect, but sometimes we make mistakes. And when we do the wrongest things, what is the right response? Well, the response is, is to run into God's presence, to run to the Father, not to run away from Him and hide. And so what does the Holy Spirit convict us of? He convicts us of when we do things wrong. When we go to places that we shouldn't go, when we say things that we shouldn't say, when we think things that we shouldn't think, when we watch things that we shouldn't watch, when we do things that we shouldn't do, cheating on our tax return or whatever it is, screaming at the taxi, the Holy Spirit is right there. And when we do those things, He goes, ah, don't run away from God, run to God. And it says in Acts 3 verse 20, repent so that times of refreshing may come. And so what's the correct response as Christians? It's not that we're never going to make a mistake, but it is that if we make a mistake, that we can say sorry and we can get back to the Father. So maybe you in a place now where you have fallen into a, a thing of habitual sin. Now habitual sin is terrible because it just feels like I'm not breaking free. It feels like I'm not moving forward. And so shame and guilt and condemnation sets in, 
and it drives us away from God. How many times does Jesus tell Peter to forgive these brothers? 77 times, 7 times. You see, this thing about relationship is a thing of the heart. So don't allow sinful habits to bring you to a place of hope, hopelessness, where I said, like, I can't do it, I'm going to give up. I don't know why God does this. But he sometimes takes us through periods where we have to persevere and keep on pushing into him and keep on pushing into the body. Because the Bible says in James 5, verse 6, I think, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed of it. Once again, it's a together thing. It's not a separate thing. And so repentance is between me and God, and repentance can be between me and you if I do something wrong towards you. But confession is a body action. Because I need to confess my sin to a brother or a sister. Now, don't just confess it to anyone, but confess it to someone that's a leader and trustworthy, not a gossip or anything. So what do we do as, as a church? Well, we're a people that realize that repentance brings life and that confession brings healing. And so if you are stuck in a place where you feel like a bitch and you cannot get out of this, I want to urge you. You know, we think that people will reject us, but people accept us. And then the last one. Holy Spirit convicts us of <laughs> what's the last one? Judgment. Because the devil is judged. And I want to say there is a judgment coming. There actually there isn't a judgment coming, there is judgments coming. Because there's two judgments. Did you guys know that? Who knew that there were two judgments? Who didn't know that? So there's two judgments. Revelation speaks about the white throne judgment, and that's the judgment for the people whose names are not written, not found in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then there's another judgment, the Bema throne judgment, that gets spoken about. And that judgment is for believers. So if your name in the Lamb's Book of Life to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord, as we come out of this life and we transition into the next life, and we've got the blood of Jesus covering over our sins, and we've walked in a relationship with the Lord, we come into His presence. And if we have run our race, there will be a reward waiting for us. But Corinthians 3, Paul says that we can lose our reward, or we can attain our reward. You see, we are saved by grace, but we are still here on this earth to co-labor alongside the Lord. And as we co-labor alongside the Lord, there's a reward that waits for us. Now, see, if we forget about our reward, we might be tempted to give up before we get to the finish line. But don't give up. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. For at the right time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So then, 
Whenever we have opportunity, let's practice doing good to everyone, especially to our family. How do we do good to one another? Well, we make meals for one another. When someone is sick, we make a meal. When someone has a baby, we make a meal for a week. <laughs> when we have there's some when someone is weak in their faith we pray when someone is missing we we look for them we call them we encourage each other when someone is in need we assist physically and spiritually and emotionally we God calls us as, as we co-labor alongside each other, we help each other to get over this finishing line. You get, you get rewarded for this. And if you don't do it, well, then you're not going to have a reward. And then you're not going to look forward to that life. Th this is a great indicator. This is a great judge of our hearts. And of our investment, how much are you looking forward to going to heaven? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If you've invested only here, you will want to be here. Right? But if you've invested there, you will want to be there. Also a good judge of our faith, eh? So ask yourself right now, where do I want to be? Do I want to be here? Or do I want to be there? And Paul says, well, I want to be there, but I'm here. But being here is for your benefit. Because Paul understood that he's running this race. And whatever he does in this and to the world, he is to do good to all people, especially the household. So I'm, I just want to land it on one value. The Bible says that we should be hospitable. Now, God's called this church to be a base church which means that there's churches around the country and around the world that God wants to impact through the gifts that he's placed in this place. In order to do that, you know, so we've got people coming through here all the time. Where do they stay? Do they stay in hotels? Do they stay in bed and breakfasts? Do they stay in Airbnbs? Where do they stay? Well, if, if we are hospitable people, they stay with us. We are hosts, and they are parasites. No. <laughs> no, we are hosts, and it's a privilege to love God's people, and you, by allowing someone to stay in your bedroom and giving them some meals, give them exposure to what we are about and teachings and training of what's happening here and then when they go back to their countries and the gospel extends there because what has happened here, you get a reward. Hosting someone is an investment opportunity. That's that's actually what it is. And so I wanna I wanna what can I do? I can't command you. I suppose I can command you. But that'll be a little bit hectic. I'm actually trying to motivate you. I want to exhort you. I want to challenge you. Open up your houses. Allow.
allows strangers to come and stay with you. And your reward in heaven will be great. As well as on this, actually as well as on this life. Because we've got, I've got friends all over the world. Because I've overcome my fear of what are we going to say? Is my house clean enough? Is my bed comfortable enough? Oh, it's such a mission. Now oh, they've got a park and I'm going to keep parking on the car. I'd rather just not hate them. Are you guys hearing me? Not very pumped, but <laughs> it's just, but it's just so practical. Sometimes Christianity is so practical. All right. And now the last. Is it there? Oh, the last one. You guys, you good? So what are we gonna do? We're red. <laughs> Give the man a chocolate ball. <laughs> Who's coming when? So let your community leader know. Listen, I'm available to host. And, and you don't have to always host, but sometimes host. Share testimonies. See people quick to repent. Confess your sins one to another. And remember, there's judgments coming. You're still here because there's a reward waiting for you. Run your race. So that you can make it into and hear those words from Jesus. Come in, my good and my faithful servant. And I just want to, I want to finish off with an activity. Because I think in this thing, we need to motivate each other too. So let's watch this thing. So I've watched this five times, and every time I watch it, I tear up. It's just, for me, such a beautiful picture of <laughs> the church. And the Bible says that we are the great cloud of witnesses. That means not just us, but to everyone before us, up in heaven, cheering us on. Like they were cheering her on. And that moment when she can't see it with this one. It's a, I just love the perspective of that, the support. But that moment when Tatiana Schoenmaker, when she, she won the gold, she looked up and she realized that she had won the world record. <laughs> and that, 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 um, that look in her eyes when she realized she'd beaten the world record. And we run this race not for earthly rewards. And we sacrifice things for that. But the moment that we touch eternity, the Bible says Jesus will be rewarded for our endurance. And the reward
word that I want is I want to hear, come in, my good master of the service, come in to that which I've prepared for you. That's the motivator. That's the motivator to penetrate us. Because we're not on this earth to not run away. 